Love. <clears throat> Our live roundtable today, we have... You, you said it was going to go by quick. You weren't wrong. Uh, and here we are in our last segment. Uh, a couple of things I want to cover. One thing that I think I, I would like to discuss is such a time as this. Because how many pieces have to be in place for us to even have this dialogue, have this opportunity? The outpouring of the Holy Spirit is what makes all this go, right? I mean, that's what makes the opportunity present itself because we, as children of the one true king, we're a little slow on occasion, or on a lot of occasion. We're, we're a little dense and myopic and tunnel vision and siloed and all of these things, right? It has to come from outside us. But then when you can step back and look and see some of the stuff that's happening, not just for this movement, but that it's right here. And I've had the uh, the pleasure of being at 35,000 feet and kind of seeing all these different pieces moving. And I even believe that I have a radio show for such a time as this. Glory. Glory. I saw it happen in my own life. I, I can't, it, this, this show came out of nowhere mm. as a personal opportunity for me. Mm. I've been in radio 35 years, but this show and an opportunity to be in this seat came out of nowhere. Mm. I had nothing to do with it. God said, okay. You're on. Amen. And that's the way it happens. Because when the three of us, Joe Tosini, Gary Kinnaman, and myself, met just a year and a half ago, uh, we met for supper. And after supper, we just asked, could we not just pray together? And you know that as we prayed together, it was the Holy Spirit that came upon us with a real anointing. And that was the beginning of this movement of John 17, prayer. And so my brothers and sisters, as we await this great event, May the 23rd, I ask all of you to gather in prayer that in this event, when we gather as brothers and sisters, uh, the Holy Spirit may truly be uh, experienced and in a powerful way. So many lives may be converted. So many persons brought back to the living God. So many souls saved. So many people encountered. My brothers and sisters, I've read the scripture a thousand times. But since I started in this movement of John 17, the Holy Spirit has broadened my theological concepts. Before, when I read the body of Christ uh, from St. Paul's letter in the Corinthians, uh, I thought of my parish. I mean, in a Catholic parish, there might be two, three thousand families. Surely, every one of us is a member of the body, and I preached that many times. But when John 17 started, wow, my, my horizon was so expanded to see that the body of Christ is all of us baptized into Christ Jesus. And uh, the love that before I had experienced of God and of one another has so expanded when in John chapter 15, verse 9 and following, there is a very important little word. And Jesus says, As 
the Father has loved me. I have loved you. To reflect upon that, that little word, as the Father has loved me, Jesus. So I have loved you. And then Jesus continues in John 15, where he says, Love one another as I have loved you. That little word, as, makes all the difference in the world. We're to love, not with our love, which is very limited, very conditional. We're to love with God's love. And that is what John 17 has taught me and given me the grace to expand my limited horizons to begin looking and acting and loving with that love of God. Amen. Amen. I got nothing to follow that with. <laughs> Amen. It brings to mind a vision of marriage. And I think of my commitment to my wife. I, I committed to her. I didn't, I didn't say, hey, we need to work out all of our fights right now. What's your theology? What's your, you know, you commit first. And, and I think what John 17 is, is it's not saying we're going to ignore the differences. We're just saying we're not going to major on them. We're going to become friends. We're going to embrace each other. We're going to share meals together. And in the context of commitment to one another, we're going to wrestle these things out in love. Because eventually, these are topics that come up in love, in marriage, in friendship. And, 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 and I know I've talked to many people that get worried about the differences. Yeah. And a fight is never a good fight when you're not committed. Jeff, I just, when you, when you brought it around that way, I know in my life, my relationship with Mary mets that out, quite literally. You know, we used to be terrified, and when we would fight, we would hurt each other. Because we were scared. We were afraid the other person's going to bail. We're afraid this or that. Now we love each other so deeply and trust each other that even when we fight, we're not hurting each other. Yeah. We're just trying to figure out how what the, what the understanding is. <clears throat> you know, I get angry. Mary gets angry. But we don't mm. despair because yeah. we trust. We know each other better. We love each other unconditionally as Christ loved us. Yeah, I, th I think we, we have a, you know, we want to be attractive. And how is, how is the church really um, attractive? What makes the church attractive? What makes those who confess Jesus attractive to, to those who do not confess Jesus? Mm. You know, when we think about that, and you look at the Bible, and as we look at the Bible, I think we see in the Bible uh, a very attractive person in Jesus. And he was attractive to people who were not religious. And he was very unattractive to people who were. So when it came to people who were like a woman married five times and the man she's living with is not her husband, he was very attractive to her. And she was actually attractive to him. He was willing to reveal himself to her. When we see a man who was a good man, a Pharisee named Nicodemus, he was not very attractive. And 
Jesus didn't give him a lot of his answers and the things that he was wanting to get from Jesus, mm-hmm. Jesus would not give him. He said, you know, you have the Bible, go figure it out. Mm-hmm. If that's how you want it, if you want to deal with me based on that, go figure it out. That, you, you already have it, so why asking me the questions? Go figure it out. You think you know it all. So what happens is we, we yeah. to be attractive, if we're going to be attractive as, as believers, we need to at least begin to start relating to one another on a way that makes us attractive to those outside. Look, see how they love one another. See that they're friends, that they really care. We have Bishop, Bishop uh, Navarra sitting to my left here. When my mother-in-law was dying, and, and thank God he, he brought her back on Easter Sunday, and she was leaving a year over a year ago. On Friday, we, told, we were told she was going to die. But Easter Sunday, she came back. You know who went to the hospital to lay hands on my mother? This man right here, mm. Bishop Navarro, and anoint her with oil and pray for her. And you know, my, my mother was like, wow, the bishop came to see me. Yeah. And she goes to a Pentecostal church. So that tells you something. <laughs> love and love. That's attra- really. Isn't that attractive? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, that's the key. You know, uh, mm. It's it just it, it, the 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 thing is I get, I used to say sometimes when I would get people that would try to argue theology with me, you know I'm on the radio in a Christian radio station so obviously I'm R.C. Sproul or you know it's like no you don't get it. I am not here's here's what I know here's what I know Christ loved me so much for who I am that he gave his life for me so that I could be restored to the heavenly father. And he loves me so much that he doesn't want me to stay there. Why? Because he wants the very best for me. Mm. He created me. He knows what's going to bring me true, sustainable joy. He wants me to move into that, not follow a set of rules, not you know, whatever I and my feeble brain want to put on it, he wants the very best for me. He created me to commune one with another. All I have to do is listen, and I have talked about it and even taught on it. Do you know how hard it is if you spend time at the beginning of your day praying for somebody, whether it's your spouse or your boss or coworker or whoever, and you say, Lord, bless them, favor them, give them the very best day possible. Now, when you meet that person in the hallway that you've been having contentions with, what is the response going to be in your own heart? I just prayed that God would bless them and favor them. What am I doing to move that along? Am I going to Stick them with a hot stick? Uh, you know, what am I going to do? Uh, it, you can't, uh, a house divided you're, in your own mind, if you're truly, sincerely praying for them, what are you going to do? You're going to see them with his eyes. You're going to love them as he loves them and knows that the enemy is not that person, but the deceiver is the enemy. He's trying to separate us. That's his one desire is to separate us from the Father. And how does he do that? By millions of incremental separation steps. And uh, the beautiful thing about the Holy Father 
is that he's talked about ecumenism of blood. He says that over in the Middle East, the ISIL people are killing Christians. They don't ask if they're Lutheran, Methodist, Catholic, or Evangelical. They are killing Christians. And so the Holy Father talks about the need to be united because of the ecumenism of blood. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, let us pray that the desire of Jesus may be fulfilled in our hearing. And we are going to close with prayer next. This is Koinonia. You're listening to Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ.